Good morning, Mount Zion Church. You guys doing all right? We're all recovered from Friday night. Are we ready for another Friday night? <laughs> I know I am too. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. See if I got that right? Yeah.
not sure who's doing announcements. Do we know? I'm doing announcements? Okay, I'll do that. I can do that. Well, first announcement is thank you, thank you, thank you. To, I can't turn this off for some reason. I don't know what I'm doing. There we go. Oh, did you do it? <laughs> I want to say thank you to all of our volunteers for Friday night. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so, 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 so much. We are so blessed to have so many people come out and help, but we need more because we had a lot of people and a lot of people who needed prayer, a lot of people who needed to be served, a lot of people just to walk around. Look, it was probably our best attended first Friday movie nights we've ever done in, I think, seven years we've been doing it, I think. And uh, just a great, great group. Also, a lot of newer people that we had never seen before. So if you, God can put it on your heart. Look, at what movie are we doing this week? Super Mario Brothers. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with Super Mario. Super Mario Brothers movie. Look, at. don't worry about whether you like the movie or not. Worry about whether you love the people who come. That's what God has called us to do. Love those. They will know us by our love for each other. So come out and help and be a, give a hand, but more importantly, just serve people. That's the best opportunity we're going to have. Here's what I want people. My goal is not so, boy, I hope they got a lot of popcorn and watched a great movie. That's not the goal. My goal is I hope that they leave the movies going, man, that place really loves people. Those people love people. That would be our goal. Also, uh, we are going to kick things back up next month on September 6th. Uh, I think we have a preview of the Bible study that we're going to do, right? I didn't bring my bulletins. So, <laughs> so go ahead and show, someone show that. I don't know who's showing it. There we go. Ta-da! Amen. 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 We as Christians, I, I do it, so I know you guys do it. We underestimate the enemy all the time. And we don't consciously think about the enemy enough. And the enemy loves that. The greatest deception he has is that he doesn't exist in your life. And he does. And the great thing about the, the big banquet that God prepares for us at the table, it is not a potluck. We don't bring anything. He gives everything. But who we allow to sit at that table, sometimes we invite people into our lives that we should never have gotten involved with. But a lot of times we just can't recognize it because we underestimate the enemy. I really encourage you to dive into that study beginning on September 
what are we at? September 6th. There we are. 6 to 7.30. And then uh, we will pick up our Sunday morning Bible studies uh, beginning on September 19th, where Jerry Windsor will be teaching a John Brevere study called The Awe of God. And then coming up on August 17th here real quick, we have our senior potluck, which is uh, hosted by actually Eva and Hugh Diltz. Depending on the weather, is it going to be up there or down here? Where is it going to be? Your yard, the pit. Yeah, if we, ever, if we ever do a series on Joseph, we need to have it at your house at the pit. Okay, we'll do that. And it's, I, I, she, she sent me a text on a theme, and I thought, brats and barbecue, that fits you perfect. Okay, okay, it's brats. But when you said it was brats and barbecue, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So that's August 17th, and we encourage you to come. And in the meantime, today, I'm excited we celebrate communion together. And then after church, I hope you'll come downstairs and have a meal with us. It's finger food, so don't worry if you didn't bring your silverware. It's going to be fun. Or even if you're supposed to use silverware, we're not going to on purpose. So did you bring soup? Okay, you're not going to get silverware, so you got to eat with your hands. So it's going to be fun downstairs. Don't worry if you didn't bring anything. we got plenty of food. Come downstairs afterwards. Uh, what am I forgetting? Eva? Am I forgetting anything? Okay, I'm not forgetting. Friday night, we're all set. I think we're all set. Well, let's go ahead and meet and greet each other. Wait, 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 wait. But before we do, you know, we've been trying to, if we've been in this series on the gifts of the Spirit, let's not lose an opportunity here. Let's bow our heads. Father, we are just going into meet and greet. I know that's all it is. It's fellowship, but it is worship unto you. And God, as we walk around meeting and greet each other, let us be sensitive to your Holy Spirit to encourage somebody with a word from you. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive to what you want us to do during this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go ahead and take five minutes. You can watch the timer right up there. It'll be perfect. I want to say good morning to all those watching online this morning. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be a great service today. I hope you've been watching our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to learn how to develop in those gifts and how to maintain those and how to look for the pitfalls of getting out of them. So we want to encourage you to stay for the whole service, okay? We love you. We're praying for you. And please let us know if you need anything in the comments or go to our website at mtzchurch.org. God bless you.
All right. Well, thank you so much for watching that timer so closely, both of you. <laughs> Can't have people fellowshipping like this. I got stuff to do. <laughs> hey, I do want to say welcome to a couple that I have known, oh my gosh, probably 25 years at least, at least 25 years. Robert and Linda Hall are over here. Everybody say hi, Robert and Linda. There you go. You know, we, they were at my home church in Antioch, and uh, then they moved to the other side of the country, and then we reconnected online. And so uh, I'm excited to have them come out and visit us, and uh, we are just thankful they're here. Plus, it's Sandwich Sunday, so we get to have lunch together. That's pretty cool, too. Hey, I also want to give you an update. Speaking of my home church in Antioch, Cornerstone, I know some of you on the prayer chain might have seen this. My, uh, our former associates, who are now the senior pastors there, Steve and Maria Minor, uh, he's the one I traveled to the Ukraine with. Um, he and his wife were uh, stuck in uh, Niger during the uh, coup that happened. And they were in lockdown and unable to get out. But uh, thanks to our representatives and uh, our senators, we were able to get them the, to the embassy and actually get them on a commercial flight day before yesterday, and they got home. So uh, them, yeah. They, they were there with a group of 11 of them doing missionary work there in Niger, and it was pretty scary there for a little bit, but uh, we are thankful to God. And also, please keep, uh, I don't know, many of you might not know, but I'll, I'll mention them anyway, because you never know who's watching online, but Christine uh, Pereira, uh, her husband Steve, I talked to this morning. You know what? I'll, I'll just use it here. I, was gonna t I told Eva I was going to share this. Look, it, you never know. You just never know how God's going to use you until you begin serving him. And when you serve him in the small things, he starts trusting you in the big things. And I know Eva kept on saying, oh, it's just a small thing. But I got, I got, last night I got a text from her going, hey, Lionel and Brenda won't be there. I checked on the communion supplies. We have all the juice and we have all the wafers. Uh, Hugh and I will take care of it in the morning so you don't have to worry about it. Now, for a pastor, that's a big deal because that's like for me getting down here an extra half hour and making sure everything's set. Plus, I'm not very, I make a mess, so I have to clean up my mat. It only takes 15 minutes to do it, but it takes me another 15 minutes to clean up all the spilling I did. So I, I was so thankful to that, but then I got a call from Christine's uh, Pereira's husband, Steve, this morning at about 7.40, and, uh, and his wife, uh, Christine, had passed away. Uh, a week and a half ago, and he was incredibly distraught. Ended up speaking to him for, get this, about a half hour. Didn't have to rush him. Didn't have to worry, oh gosh, I got to get communion ready and get down to the church. But instead, I was able to spend that whole time praying with him and loving on him and telling, you know, as much as comfort as I could bring into him. So what I, my point is, though, Eva thinking doing just a small thing, but it was a huge thing not only for me, but it was even bigger for Steve, because I might not have even answered the phone, and uh, because I was just about to get in the shower to get there early if, if I had to do communion. So God knew how to orchestrate taking care of my time to be able to give Steve time by you volunteering your time. And so that's how the kingdom of God's supposed to work, Amen. Amen. So I think, Bob, you're on for offering this week, so that means you have to give for everybody. Oh, yeah. So what that means is he'll go into your wallets and purses and decide how much you should give. <laughs> That's all right, isn't it? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. 
Lord, uh, we're just thankful to be here, Lord, in your church, Lord. We thank you that uh, we know you. We thank you that you uh, give us joy, you give us peace, that you've chosen us, that we're under you, and that uh, we have you to look for, Lord. Look to, Lord. We thank you for your presence always, especially inside of us, Lord. As we're here today, I just pray that everybody is just able to get what they need from you, Lord, but just fill us up. Fill us with your joy, your peace. Give us your wisdom, Lord God. Hold us. Let us completely surrender to you. Give pastor the words to speak to us, Lord God. Let us hear them fully. Let us be open to it. And in this time of giving, Lord God, uh, just touch everybody's heart. Give them a word as to what to give to keep this church going and to keep things going. It's all your money anyway, Lord God. Lord, we're just thankful that we have the opportunity to not only give with you, but of course that we know you and to be with you. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. So as we go into this time of worship this morning, we can make it all about God. It's not about us. Don't worry about what kind of week you've had. Don't worry about your attitude. Just worry about Him. Hearing from Him and speaking to Him. Worship is not a spectator sport. We are here to participate and commune with God. Let Him speak to you. He's here. We're just magnifying His name together. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning and acknowledge the Sovereign Lord is here. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. Because He has anointed you to bring good
hope you believe that this morning. That He is here. That He has anointed you this morning. All of us.
worthy of it all And from you are all I'm excited about, I'm excited up here, I know, I can't help it, I, I do, I get excited because I shared with you guys a couple, a few of you guys something that I'm excited about sharing this morning, I, I couldn't wait for communion, because you know me, if I learn something, I get excited that I get to share it, and ooh, is that me? Oh, I thought it was me, I literally sat my guitar down and it made that noise. <laughs> Go ahead, ushers, if you could go ahead and distribute the elements, that would be great. Ushers, ushers, that'd be great. What's there? Oh, okay, good. You got that? You guys got that? Thank you. 
So check this out. I was telling uh, Steve and a few other people that uh, I never realized, I, I have a couple of great documentaries if you get a chance. Before the Wrath is one of them. It's streaming somewhere. The other one is called The Com- Great Convergence. And it's, what I love about it is that it doesn't focus on when Jesus is coming back. It focuses on the how and the why, which is way more important because the Bible basically, Jesus tells us, no man knows, only my Father in heaven knows. So in light of communion, I learned, I, I'm all set up here. Thank you, Eva. Um, in light of that, what I didn't know is that all the, all the apostles, uh, followers of Jesus, those apostles, the 12 dudes, they were all from Galilee. And that would sound like, so what? But it's actually a very big deal that they were all from Galilee. See, <clears throat> there was something very special about Galilean weddings. If you remember, Jesus' first miracle was at a Galilean wedding. He was at a wedding. Remember, his mom told him, hey, we're out, of, we're out of wine. Can you fix that? He fixed it. So first miracle there. And then during communion, he also talks about the cup. I guess it wouldn't be communion. It'd be the Passover for him. The cup and the bread. But before that, he was having a discussion with his apostles about when is he coming back and what's that going to look like. And Jesus tells a story about how a groom will come back for his bride. And that only the father knows the date in which he'll return. So the apostles were wondering, what's this going to look like? Now, the apostles knew exactly what Jesus meant when he said this. He, they knew it because they were Galileans. Why is that a big deal? Because the Galilee, Galilean wedding, Galileans had one special thing that was different than all the other uh, cultural, um, cultural stuff with the wedding. So basically, here's what would happen during uh, how a wedding would go down. The first thing they have is the betrothal. Betrothal is like a giant engagement party, but it's really a step ahead of that, a step above that. But it was pretty intense, pretty big party, pretty religious, pretty everything in it. But the big deal about the ceremony was the empowerment of, woman, uh, of women at that point. A lot of times people poo-poo the Bible because of women's rights. But let me tell you something. In the betrothal, the woman had all the power. And the reason she had all the power is because the father of the groom would pay the price for the bride, or another dowry of some sorts, would pay the, fa- groom, uh, the bride's father some cash. Give him some money, goats, sheep, whatever, give him some stuff. Then what happened was the, bet- the groom would have this cup, the wedding cup. It's actually called, so I can't pronounce it in Jewish. It's a Jewish wedding cup. And what he would do is they put wine in the cup, and then at this moment, he would hand it to the bride. And if the bride drank of this cup, took the cup and drank of it, that's it. They're engaged, that's it. They're, they're pretty much married under those traditions, except without the consummation, all that other stuff going on. So in other words, when the groom went to give that, the bride had already been paid for. But if the bride decided, nah, don't want that cup, it was over and done with. There was no shame. There was no returns. There was no, the, the, the father had already paid the price. It's just that the bride decided not to receive the groom, and that's the end of it. Done. Now here, that, so what would happen, let's say, at a traditional wedding, the bride then takes the cup, drinks of it, now they're betrothed, and now they have two jobs. The bride's job is to get ready for the wedding. Get ready for that wedding. 
Now, sometimes that could take up to a year because in Galilee, the carts with all the merchandise didn't come that often and you want to get all the right stuff. And, well, if any of you have ever had a daughter shopping for a bridal gown, <laughs> now you know why it takes a year. Okay, so, so they're putting all that together. But the groom's job is to prepare the place in which they're going to live. Now, sometimes that meant putting up a wall in mom and dad's house. Sometimes it meant building their own house. But his job as the groom was to get the place ready, get things ready. So then what would happen is, here's what's different in Galilee than any other Jewish tradition. Normally what would happen is they set the date, and then they all get together and they go have that, that wedding. But in this case, there's only one person who has the date, and that's the father of the groom. He's the only one. And he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell his wife. He doesn't tell the groom. He doesn't tell anybody. He waits until the moment's right, and then he'll tap the groom on the shoulder and say, go get your bride. Now, this is why this was so important in Galilee for Jesus to have apostles. They all knew exactly what that meant. How do we know that Jesus is coming back? Well, if you became a Christian, you accepted the cup. Remember what Jesus said the night before he died? He took the cup. He said, drink this in remembrance of me. If you also remember, before he got crucified, he was up at the mountain. He says, Father, is there any way to take this cup from me? It was very significant in that sense. So let's do that right now. Father, I thank you for your son who died for us, his blood shed for us. I know we normally do the bread first. We're doing a cup first, God because it doesn't really matter. And God, we just take this cup and receive it as your bride, as that covenant right now. We make that contract. Your fa our Father in heaven has paid the price with his only begotten Son, and we receive the cup of our groom, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and take it. Now, once you've received that cup, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. You are now his bride. In Galilee tradition, there was no other choice but for the groom to come get the bride. It was already in the contract. If you remember when Jesus said in, during his last supper, he said, this is my new covenant. It's the betrothal. It's the covenant. The promise that the groom will come get his bride when the father tells him, Amen. That same way he took the bread. And I love that he took the bread and the, and the, and the cup and he, because it was just normal, everyday elements that we would see on any traditional table. Nothing special going on there. And he takes the bread and he breaks it and he passes it around to his friends. And he says, this is like my body that was broken for you. Which I always thought was so weird because no bone was broken on the cross. Nothing was broken. So when I think of his body broken, I think of it in the sense of this. It died. That's broken. But it was risen again. So he, this is my body that was broken for you. But the great promise in the, is the resurrection, our hope, that we will also too rise again as we make this covenant. Let's go ahead and take the bread. Father, thank you so much for your son enduring that cross allowing his body to be broken for us. 
all that he went through so we can then receive the same resurrection, the same healing as Isaiah promises by his stripes were even healed, let alone an entire body resurrected into glory as we will one day be. So we take this in remembrance of you. Amen. Go ahead and take the bread. So Father, as we move forward, let us remember we are the bride of Christ. And our betrothed groom is coming back to get us when the place has been prepared and the Father tells him it's time. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretty cool, huh? I've never, how many have ever heard that before? You ever heard that before? Robert, you, of course you were. Did you hear from me? <laughs> yeah, I had never heard that before and I was blown away. And uh, God doesn't do anything on accident. By accident. Not on accident. He doesn't, right? By accident or is it on accident? I don't know. But he doesn't do anything without a purpose. That includes saving you and me. He didn't accidentally save you. It was done with a purpose. And then he kept you here. He didn't bring you right to heaven. That was for a purpose. Each one of you. And no purpose is bigger than the other purpose. They're all the same in God's eyes. We've been spending these several weeks talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the sixth message, and we have a couple more to go. Because I don't want to just leave you with knowing what the gifts are and how they operate. And by the way, I've been working hard in updating our YouTube channel. So if you ever want to go to YouTube, look up Mount Zion Church, subscribe, or go to our website. You can hit on our YouTube channels there. Um, I edit the videos down because the music gets copywritten, and so I have to edit that out, and it's just the message, but I'm caught up. So if you missed any video, any of the messages these past six weeks, I encourage you to go back onto YouTube and watch them, or Facebook usually has them there too, but they're not edited. But that being said, why am I spending so much time on this? Why am I, this really sounds more like a Wednesday night Bible study or some kind of college class talking about the gifts of the Spirit like this. But see, here's the problem. We're all saved. We're all still here. And many of us walk this Christian walk about things that we're not supposed to do. Not supposed to drink. Not supposed to dance. Not supposed to chew. Not supposed to dance with girls that do. I mean, it's all that kind of stuff. Over and over again, Christian walk is about a bunch of rules, about things that you don't get to. But this is the opposite of all this. This is telling us what we're supposed to do. This is what the church is supposed to look like. Nowhere in the description of what the church is supposed to be like does it say, have a huge worship team with fog lights and lasers. Doesn't say it anywhere. I never, not my Bible. I haven't seen it yet. When we have that, though, we'll get that. Okay, Anna? We'll get that. But we don't have that. The most important thing I read in this book that church is supposed to look like is number one, love. Love. This should be a place you feel loved by God and by God's people. Well, how do you do that? Some of us had to learn the hard way how to love somebody. Some of us weren't good at receiving love. I think that's probably was my bigger problem than, than anything. Receiving it. Because, and you hear me say it all the time, being one of the hardest things about being a Christian is to be who you already are in Christ. Receive that. Because if I receive that, if I believe I'm a child of God, I believe I'm here with a purpose, believe that God wants me to love others, well, how do I do that? 
Well, how are you loved? Well, if you're not receiving love, you're not going to know. That's why knowing Christ and getting intimate in your relationship is so important because the fruit of that relationship will be love of others. It's kind of like I used to tell my girls all the time when they were younger of dating age. Are you listening? Sorry, I have daughters. I used to ask them whether it was boys or girls in their lives, what is the fruit of your relationship? Because my girls would make friends with some pretty nasty girls sometimes, man. And I'd be going, and my daughter would just get hurt. She'd be upset, frustrated. And I would go, look at what is the fruit of this relationship? Because all I see is you upset. Same thing with boys. If it was all this drama all the time, like, what is the fruit of this relationship? So what is the fruit of your relationship with Christ? How can you do these things? Well, God's trying to tell us how it's supposed to work by giving us these gifts of the Spirit. That's why I'm passionate about it. We should all be exercising all the, remember the best gift is the one given to you for the time it's needed. All of us should be aware of this at all hours of the day. It doesn't matter when, where, who you're talking to, God can gift you for the right word to that right person at the right time. You just don't know. You just don't know. Eva didn't know when she texted me, I'll take care of communion. Nalani didn't know when all she did was post on Facebook what a good time you had at uh, the movie nights. But let me tell you something. You made one little comment there. I bet you have no idea how much you loved having pastor open with prayer. You know why I did that? Because you're a pastor. Or you're supposed to pray all the time. No, that's not why I did it. Normally I feel kind of funny about that because people are not there for church. They're there to watch a movie. But during our series, Bob had kind of a half vision, half word of the Lord saying he was picturing me in front of everybody at movie night praying. So I said, well, let's do that. How do I know if it's right? Lalani loved it. That's how you can judge everything of Christ, just see if Lalani likes it. <laughs> yeah, use it. Use it while you can, Lalani. Go for it. But isn't it true? That's how the church works, both situations. It all works together. Every Sunday I walk down here into the church on Sunday morning, man, we gotta, we got to trim those bushes. we got to get those bushes trimmed. And then I walk out here this morning, Fred had trimmed all the bushes. <laughs> Pastor Jimmy and Ann and all the work they do behind the scenes that hardly anybody knows or the hours that Bob works here. All those makes the church go around the church, go around the church, right? It makes it all work. So how are you supposed to do this? How do you develop that? That's what we're going to talk about today. I want to get into how to develop these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And by the way, you're not limited to just one. I have the gift of criticism, Pastor. No, you don't. You have the gift that God will give you when it's needed for that person, period. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, our text, if you have your Bibles, I stopped putting it up there because frankly, after this sixth time reading it, you should have it all memorized. Are you ready? <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's just the first 11 verses. Nalani, do you, do you, Nalani, do you have it memorized? No, I only asked because during our... <laughs> yeah, that's a... But it was during our Wednesday night Bible study, she had all the verses memorized each week. It was pretty impressive. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first 11 verses. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts. Ha, perfect text. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. He's making a big point right here. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are differences of diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one to give in his word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So he's telling us how it's going to work. Each one of us. By the way, these aren't awards. These are gifts. You didn't earn it. You didn't win the lottery and get it. They're the Holy Spirit's gifts, all of them. And it's given to each one. It's available to all of us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 2, just a couple of verses here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we neglect a great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Verse 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I also want to bring our attention that we just read that this great message of salvation was spoken first by the Lord Jesus himself. And the preaching was then continued. The apostles continued preaching this great message of salvation. Well, let's look at that verse again. How'd they do that? God bearing witness with both signs and wonders with various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They did it with signs and wonders and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even the Lord Jesus who preached the message of salvation his preaching was accompanied by signs, wonders, miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So all we're doing, all I'm trying to do in church here folks Let's get back to the way Jesus did it. Don't we want to have church the way Jesus had church? Well, how do you do it? We're going to do it the same way. That's why we're trying to learn this and understand this and how to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want each of us to understand that each one of us is equipped. Each one of us can be trained and activated, moving in the Holy Spirit. And imagine if we did that, what this county would look like. Imagine what your workplace would look like. Imagine what your home life would be if you were always acting upon the Holy Spirit and its giftings. 
I can tell you that it has saved me so many headaches in my life. I raised two daughters. I was the only guy in the house next to my dog, Buddy. And there were some times I said some pretty stupid things as a dumb guy. Dads can do that. The other thing dads can do is destroy your child. You don't even know you're doing it. But you say something stupid, and that's when my wife would kick me and go, you just said something stupid. But when the Holy Spirit would speak to me in, hey, go get, go get Alicia. Go take her out to French fries and pie at Nations. Go for a walk with Rebecca. And I'd go, oh, it's been a long day, Lord. I'm tired. God would say, go. Go do something. Go do something special. Go bring your wife a cup of coffee. My son-in-law makes me look bad. Dominic. Look at it. I'm all for buying my wife an outfit when she's had a rough day. But that's not what he does. He, she's had a bad day or a bad week. Dominic will lay out on the bed new shoes, the shirt, the pants, and he knows all the sizes. I know, what a jerk, okay? <laughs> Dominic is constantly blowing it for me, okay? I like the challenge, though. Can we outlove our wives? But that's the Holy Spirit prompting us. That's him giving a word of knowledge, going, hey, your wife needs a little something. Your daughters need a little something. Those promptings. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, by the way, was not written to pastors. It was written to everybody. God wants all of us to understand this, to all of us to learn, and all of us to flow. That's why we've been spending so much time on it. You can have an impact if you step out in this. And if you allow God to work these gifts in you. Some of you might be sitting there going, well, I haven't been trained. I, I don't know how to do it. You don't get some certificate and then the gift. It doesn't work that way. They're gifts. You don't qualify for them. You just have to be available to it. And when you're available, imagine what can happen in your home life and in your workplace. God wants all of us, his people, to be equipped. So let's quickly, I'm going to do this real quick, review some of the things that we've covered. We talked about these nine gifts. Remember, we broke them down into these three categories. The revelation gifts, the local gifts, the power gifts. We also talked about how he initiates these gifts. How he uses our five faculties to, to, to speak into our spirit. How what we hear, what we see, what we feel, what we smell, what we taste. God didn't build us this way by accident. He built this this way because he's constantly, whether it's his word, whether it's his Holy Spirit, or whether it's his son Jesus dying on the cross, it's to restore our relationship with the Father. Everything has a purpose. The Holy Spirit initiates these gifts. We pick up on it in our soul. And then we have to step out and minister to others. So this morning, I just want to share some practical things on how we can develop in these gifts of the Spirit. For many of us, we're just learning, and it's totally new. You've never stepped out of this. Well, how do you grow in this? How do I become comfortable in the moving of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because it's not normal. When we do things that are not normal, it makes us feel weird. That's why when you talk to people going through the death of a loss of someone, because we were created eternal beings. 
We were never, never, God did not create us to die. Adam and Eve made that happen. So when someone dies in our lives, it doesn't feel natural. Don't ever let somebody say death is a natural part of life. No, it's not. It was never intended that way. And that's why we feel so out of sorts. We feel disorientated. Things just come upended because somebody died in our lives. That's why when um, they were treating me for migraines, they were giving me this stuff called D, as in dog, HC. And it was this stuff in a shot. And I had to give myself shots in my thigh. I had to do it three or four times a day. So before they would let me do that, they had to train me in how to do that. So I would sit there and I'd go, give me that saline. It was just full of saline. No big deal. And I couldn't believe how sharp these things were. You just went, and went right in. I'm like, hey. Bit the little plunger, done. All right, score. They said, we'll do it a couple more times. Let me try the other leg. Score. I was good at it. I was good at giving myself shots. And all of a sudden, I got dizzy. It turned sheet white. They told me I had to sit down, take a breath. They had to hook me up and see if I could get an oxygen. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I didn't have a problem with this. And the doctor looked at me and said, well, it's not normal to stick yourself with a needle. So your body responds to something that's not natural. So I literally was going into shock because it's not normal to stick yourself with a needle. So it's the same thing when we get into these supernatural spiritual gifts that are not normal or natural to us. So we get out of sorts. We think it's a little weird. We're not sure about it. But believe me, after a few days, I had those shots down and it was easy and I didn't get all flustered and messed up. I had to do that for three months. Never had a problem after that day. So it sometimes just takes training and doing it before you feel normal about it. Remember, the Holy Spirit initiates this, get, these gifts. So let's get some practical things down. The first one is, first of all, be motivated by love. That's why we need everybody at every event that we can do. That's why we do Sandwich Sunday, for goodness sakes. Because I can only love so many people. And then I don't love them. No, I'm kidding. I can only, I, you know what I mean? I can only reach so many people. There you go. That's it. Cut it off. But on the other hand, you guys reach a lot more people than I ever will. And then there's this collective thing that goes on. Someone walks into our church, they're visiting for the first time, and they see us loving on each other. That's something I want to be a part of. So you've always, when you look at the gifts, it can't be about, all right, let me see if I can stand up and give a word of prophecy, and I will bless all these people with my words that God has given me. Here I go. It's not about us. It has to be out of love for someone else. That's the beauty of spiritual gifts, really. Because I can only love with limited love. My flesh, my body. I can, now, my wife would say it's sufficient just to bring her a cup of coffee in the morning. That's all the loving she needs, okay? <laughs> but in reality, I, I'm always looking, and Dominic is too, and that's what's killing me, looking for ways to love. So don't we want to do that in our communities, in, in our church families, our homes, our, our school. We, want, we have people that we want to love. We want to love them. And the blessing is if you don't, then ask God for his love for them. And it will stir it up in you. 
And you'll find love for somebody. Well, how do I love them? I don't even know them. How can I show love to somebody I don't even know? Well, the Holy Spirit knows them. For God so loved the world. So the Holy Spirit can gift you with exactly the right words, exactly the right thing at the right time. I watched this wonderful commercial for some vitamins or fruits and vegetable things. I can't remember. All I know is that the lady says this one thing. She, she took this, this, this vitamins or vegetable things so that she could make pies. She makes pies. That's all she does. She makes pies for people that are going through tough times and gives them pies. And she said, sometimes somebody dealing with a tough situation just needs a pie. I know, is that the sweetest thing ever? How many people do you think this woman is blessed just because all she does is make pies? But see, God does the same thing within you and I. If you love somebody, if you want to reach out, you want to bring comfort, he will gift you to give you the right thing at the right time. Whether it's making cookies, which I know Eva has the gift of cookie gifting, or whether it's pies like that lady. But here's the thing, you have got to want this. So many people in the church don't want this stuff. Oh, pastor, if, you, if I get a gift of the Holy Spirit, that means God's going to make me use it, and I'm going to have to step out, and it's going to cost me some time, maybe some money. You know, you're going to have to step out. Well, what if it gives me this gift, and I step out, and I'm wrong? I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm sorry, I thought we were crucified with Christ, and we're no longer alive, and now we're alive in Jesus. So how can you embarrass a dead man? You can't, except for weekend at Bernie's. Maybe a little embarrassment going there. But it really does come down to, are you willing to do this? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 31 says, or verse 31 in chapter 12 says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly. God, gift me so I can love that person. Gift me so I can bless my church. Bless, gift me, Lord, so I can help my community. Father, when I come into movie nights, bless me and gift me with the right thing to do at the right time with some stranger who's walked in to watch a movie. We need to be motivated by this love. Because you can have sympathy. Sympathy is great, but sympathy doesn't do anything. It doesn't. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. Great, thanks. But if you really love someone, you want to do something. You want to step out, out of your natural self, and do something supernatural in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I know there's a gift of healings. I know there's working as a miracle. So God, help release that through me for this person. Be motivated by love. And then the next tip, you've got to decide. God, I desire to be used. I desire to be a channel. I desire to bless this person. I am willing to take a risk and step out in faith because I love that person. Another tip is you've got to grow in this gift. The Christian life is supposed to be exciting, folks. It's not supposed to be a checklist. Oh, it's Sunday. Sunday morning, we've got to go to church. Check mark. Oh, I've got to write my tithe for my check. For my check for my tithe. Check mark. Oh, Wednesday night, Bible study. Volunteer. Check mark. Okay, that's enough Christian stuff for the week. I'm done. The Christian life is supposed to be like, man, can you imagine if we all us here and online, if you woke up every morning going, Father, use me today. Put somebody in front of me that needs an encouragement. 
Put something on my heart. Gift me today to bless somebody. You imagine what your day is looking like instead of going, oh, I need my coffee. You're going to be like, who can I help? Does that person need help? Does that person need Can I bless that person? Sometimes we get so numb to the needs around us, we don't even see it. And thank God, people like Sue here, she never gets blind to those people in need. <laughs> I'll go a step first. She doesn't understand how everybody doesn't see it all the time, right? <laughs> because it's just in you. So you've got things to do. You've got homework to do. And you've got to look forward each day with anticipation that God is going to use me today. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12 says, even, the, even so you sense you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Let it be for the edification of the church. You build up the church of Christ. You build up God's people. When you are earnestly and zealous, I want that gift. I want that gift, Virgie. I want all the gifts. Virgie wants all the gifts, all the time, whenever they're needed. You're uh, 80, are you 83? 82? How, uh, Virgie, are you 80? How old are you? Oh. All I was doing was asking how old you are. I don't think that hearing aid's working. <laughs> Can you hear me? I was asking how old are you? 84. And she goes, I want all the gifts. At 84, go ahead. I know you'll probably have something better than this, so go ahead. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Okay. I was one of those who was very skeptical about the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I want to give you an example of what God, different ways that God uses people and the way different ways he used me. I had the strong feeling that my younger brother, I have five brothers, my youngest brother, younger brother, uh, I had this feeling in my spirit that he was, something was wrong with him. Something's wrong with him. You need to go see him. You need to go see him. Three days, I listened to that. I kept prompting Family, the strong, that spirit was so strong. I jumped in my car, drove to my mom and dad's house, and asked my mom, where's my brother up? Well, he's in his bed. I went in this bedroom. And he was literally delirious, congestion, heavily congested. And I said, my mom, why don't you take him to the doctor? She said, well, well, my dad was very mentally not stable. But he said, well, dad makes me feel so silly. I lost it. I, lo I said, <laughs> I told my mom, mom, what's more important to you? You got to make a choice. It's either more important for you to listen to your dad's silliness or more, more save your life's sin and take him to the hospital. The next day, she took him to the hospital, the doctor. He said, if you had waited one more day, I could not have saved him. He would have died. That was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the different ways that the Holy Spirit prompts you. And, but the, the thing about it all was that my dad was so angry at me. He had a lot of anger at me. And he let me know I was not to come to his house anymore. <laughs> there is a cost to obeying the Holy Spirit. But it, that cost can save a person's life. It saved my brother's life. Amen. And today he's married and has grandkids and 
You know, he's all... So that's what I wanted to give that example of how the Holy Spirit leads you in different ways. Okay? Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Virgie. I told you it was going to be better. See, one of the things with Virgie is I know she's constantly wanting to be used by God. So age has nothing to do with it. She's still talking about buying... What were you telling me? A couple of weeks ago, she wanted to buy a motorhome. So then she could go to different prisons and bless those ladies. When I, about six months ago, she said, I want to buy a building, start a youth center. She just wants to be used by God. Every day she wakes up, how can God use me? So we've got to want the gift. We've got to grow in the gift. And then the other thing, sometimes you just got to stir it up. Sometimes you just got to stir it. Sometimes you got to stir it up because sometimes you're not in the mood for this stuff. You know, you've had a long day, tired. Oh, not another thing. Timothy in the Bible was a very young senior pastor. They believe him to be somewhere between 17 and 19 years old. And he was a senior pastor. Now, but you got to remember, age reflect wisdom back then, uh, you know, in that culture. So this was a kid telling older people what to do. That's why 2 Timothy 4, uh, 4.12, I believe, is don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, Paul, Timothy said. Don't let anybody look down on you you're young, but you just set the example in life, love, and purity. So Timothy was dealing with a lot of stuff, and that's why Paul was writing him letters of encouragement, because Timothy was writing Paul saying, I don't know what I'm doing. This is crazy. So in 1 Timothy chapter 4.14, Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect the gift that is in you, that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. And then he repeated in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he says, therefore I remind you to stir it up. Stir up the gift of which God has given you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So how do you stir it up? Well, let me give you a couple of things. Number one, some of you are not going to like it. Sorry. 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 I just apologize right now, but I'm really, really not sorry. But I'm just saying it because it sounds really good. Praying in tongues. Praying in tongues makes you do something that is the weirdest thing ever in the Bible. Not that raising the dead isn't weird. I think that's weird too. But speaking in tongues is something that when you work on your spiritual language, your own prayer language, when you begin to seek God to be able to speak words out of your mouth that only your spirit knows and you might not know unless he gives you a translation, that kind of weird thing, when, that, when you do that, you're making yourself available for God to do anything. If you're willing to do that, God says, Psh, I can work with that. That guy's willing to speak in his own prayer language and he doesn't even know what he's saying, but his spirit does. Oh, shoot, I'm going to give him this assignment. Not only that, but when, your Holy when the Holy Spirit is speaking in and through you, particularly in your, your private prayer language, he prays the perfect prayers. And you don't know if that prayer is for the gift of healing for someone you love. Or the prayer is interceding for someone. It's out of love. Well, one of the words also of the Holy Spirit is just not comforter. It's refresher. You got to love that one in today's world. Give me some of that refresher, dude. 
Because refreshment comes with energy. And when you talk about this Christian walk and, oh, it's so hard. I, gotta, I have to go to church for like an hour and a half, like every week. It's so hard. I'll just sit at home and watch online. It's just too hard. But if you are praying in tongues, you're energized and the Holy Spirit's moving in and through you. It refreshes you. It gets you in tune with God. I'm telling you, it's one of the best ways because if you're open to that, you'll be open to anything the Holy Spirit has for you. Get tuned into that Holy Spirit. When you're constantly, it's, the, it's like being in touch with the command center. It's very simple. Just talk to Him like you're walking in the Spirit, like it says in Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit... Let's walk in the Spirit. You are alive because the Spirit of God. Remember what it said in, in, the, in our verse in, in Corinthians where, where it says, No man can call upon the Lord without by the power of the Holy Spirit, and no man can curse God without the power of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're a Christian because of the Holy Spirit itself. So if you came to God and lit into new life by the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we walk in that same Spirit? Amen? Another important thing here, and I have a tough one with this, is I hate it came after this one too, is you've got to remain calm. <laughs> Not good at this one. Calming is very important. Several reasons we also see in the Bible, we see a still small voice. Very difficult to hear a still small voice when you're in panic mode, when you're in stress mode, when you're focused so much on yourself, it's hard to focus on outside things. One of the great steps, simple steps, is to learn to stay calm. I've had the hardest time learning to do that. First, as a worship leader, just so much, I gotta, I'm like, when I first started out, oh my gosh, I gotta know the words to the song, I gotta know what chords to play, the rhythms, try to stay on beat, try to stay on tune, and then I gotta see what God's doing in me. Oh, and then I gotta see what God's doing in them. It was too much, I couldn't keep calm. But later, as I got to know the songs more and began to sing the songs more and I would slow down a bit, then it would leave room for the Holy Spirit. Especially on those days that it just seemed to be flowing a little differently and I could sense it. It also helped having the same team of guys for 10 years because I could trust them and rely on them. So it left room. Lately, I've had difficulty, not lately, but the last few years, I hope I've grown into trying not to rush the worship as a senior pastor in preaching and then lead, leading worship first. All I'm thinking about, I want to get to my message. I want to get to my message. I want to get to my message. Instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, should we sing that verse again? Should we have a quiet time? Should we wait on God? Should we do all this? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to get to the message. Da, 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 da. Worthy of it all. Boom. Okay, sit down. That's why my buddy Ed had to remind me because that five-minute meet and greet was killing me. I can't get that five minutes back, Ed. He goes, Eric, don't you understand fellowship is worship? Okay. It's hard to stay calm. It really is. But it's so true. If you look in the Bible, there's so many places where the Holy Spirit rests on things. He rested like a dove on Jesus. Isaiah eleven twelve says the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The idea of that word rest, by the way, isn't just sitting on there in an easy boy, lazy boy thing. It's to be dwelling, to settle, to settle down. Again, in Numbers 11, verse 25 and 26, the Spirit of the Lord 
rested upon the 70 elders that Moses had selected. So in order for the Holy Spirit to rest and settle on you, then you have to position yourself in a place where you're sensitive to it, in a place where you'll rest in it, a place where you'll hear it, a place of stillness. You wonder why. You're not feeling the Holy Spirit or sensing that. Well, are you positioning yourself in a place to allow the Holy Spirit to move? Because guess what? There are going to be storms around you. We all know this. Some of you are going through some storms right now. All kinds of difficult things. But you can be calm in your spirit when the Holy Spirit rests upon you. So keep calm. Stay calm. Another simple key is to step out boldly on the Spirit's prompting. Well, how do I know the Spirit's prompting? Well, step out and find out. Just give it a shot. In Acts eleven twelve, the Holy Spirit told Peter, go with them, doubting nothing. As Isabel says, just do it. It's God's business. Why? Just do it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 and 22 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from what is evil. It's not always going to be easy, folks. When you're out and about, there's a person out there, and you look at him and you go, ooh, that's a scary dude, I'm getting away. Or is that somebody God has brought in your life? You got to calm down and go, maybe I need to talk to that person. I don't know. Sometimes God will bring you into some very weird situations. I've told the story before of a pastor friend of mine. Um, he was uh, with his wife, and they were on their way to a conference. He was late, and he had to stop and get gas. So he, he got gas, and then he went into a little convenience store to get some water, but God told him to go to the bar next door. Yeah, explain that one to your wife. I'll be right back. The Holy Spirit told me to go to the bar. <laughs> And as he was walking on his way to the bar, God told him, the first person you see at that bar, I want you to tell him that God loves him. Tell him I love him. And he said, all right. So he walked into this dive bar, big biker dude sitting at the end of the bar. He's got his drinks in front of him. He looked like he had a whole bottle right there. He tapped him on the shoulder and said, God told me to tell you he loves you. And the guy just went, whatever. And the pastor walked out. Okay, well, he was obedient. As he got about halfway to his car, the guy came out. Got tears in his eyes. He goes, who told you to tell me that? He said, I don't know. I was just walking. I was just walking. And then the guy pulled out a gun. He said, you see this? I was getting drunk in there because I was going to kill myself. And I said, God, if you're real, you're going to have to show me. And then you tapped me on the shoulder led him to the Lord, saved his life, saved his eternal soul. You never know. God's going to make you do some weird things. You, you think speaking in tongues is weird. That's weird. Go into a bar and tapping on a big dude and tell him God loves you. You've got to be willing to take risks. You've got to be willing to look like a fool. Go to a person and say, I'll pray for you. Ask the person if they need anything. I had a guy on Facebook who was commenting on our movie nights, wanting to know a few things, and all I said was, if there's anything you can do, please let me know. And he literally messaged me back, what did you mean by that? 
that seems weird. I said, I just meant if there's any, well, how can you help me when I'm all the way across the country? And I said, our church family, we can pray for you. We can love on you. We can connect with you. Is there anything we need? Can I send you a Bible? And he just said, you're willing to do that? And then he just said, can I call you? I texted him my cell phone number. I said, give me a call next week. He goes, I will, Pastor. Thank you. What did you mean by a, you can do anything for me? Some people don't even know. Don't you think the Holy Spirit's going to tell me how to help this guy next week? If this guy calls, the Holy Spirit will guide me. I have no, no confidence in knowing what the heck is going on with myself. But God is going to reveal to me this guy, he needs something. But I've got to take the risk. Don't quench the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit work through you. Another important thing, practice, practice, practice. Practice it. You're in a safe place here, folks. You're all right. You get up and walk over to somebody and say, I want to pray for you. Is there anything you need? And they go, no, get away from me, you weirdo. Okay, go ahead. You get up speaking tongues, thinking someone's going to give an interpretation or God's going to give you one, and he didn't. All right. Well, you won't be any more crazier than we already thought you were. You're all right. Come on, none of us are, look it, none of us are that sane, okay? All of us are a little insane. Look at the people who are insane are the people that think they're sane. They're insane. The people who are not insane, we're the ones who know we're sane. That's why we're not insane. I think. There's something you and I can develop. Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, he says, or first, second Timothy, he said this, we're a vessel of honor. A vessel of honor. I could preach a message just on that right there. We are a vessel of honor. Sanctified. You know you're sanctified, right? The minute you ask Jesus into your heart, you were actually, you were revealed by the Holy Spirit. You were already sanctified the minute Christ called you by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he said, look at, I am going to set you apart from the rest of these people in the world. I'm going to set you apart for my purposes. That's why we don't give the kids the extra juice and crackers after communion. Because it's not a snack. It's sanctified and set apart for a purpose for God. And so are you. You are a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Woo! Sometimes I feel useless. I got so many things going on, I just feel useless. How can God use me? I, uh, I wasn't going to mention this because I was a little embarrassed about it. This is going to sound a little pompous. Is that okay? All right. I don't know. You're, for some reason, you're the grown-up today, Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I've been here 11 years now, and I, I've, it's, it's, it's been great. I really, when I look back, it's been great. And I think this was at least our seventh movie night last uh, Friday, and I'm sitting up there in the, it, talking with my wife, and we're looking out over the, all the people out there, and, oh, God. I said, to Debbie, I go, this probably wouldn't be happening if, if I wasn't here, huh? And she goes, good for you. And I go, what do you mean? Because you never acknowledge the fact that you make a difference. 
And I just, because I don't. I, I know me. I'm the kid who was told to settle down, stop showing off, quit singing, and all you want to do is be a comedian, singer, you're just dental, you know. No one's ever said, hey, that's a man of God. So I just, I just think, it's like God patted me on the back and said, you're making a difference here. It only took 11 years. <laughs> but that's, looking at ourselves as a vessel of honor, sanctified for his purpose, is tough. But the more you practice, the more you step out, the more you take risks, the more you realize, yeah, yeah, God is using me. Yeah, God is. And once you start getting that, you get like virgie. You get addicted to it. You want to be used every single moment of every single day. So it takes practice. It takes training. There are times you see success, and there's times you see people get healed, and you're wondering why. How come I did it this way, and they didn't get healed? How come I did it this way, and they did get healed? Well, God is sovereign. It's not your business. He may do it in a way you're never going to hear of. He may do it in a way you're going to hear of right away. It could be instantaneous. It could be for a year from now. Look at it. It's not up to you. You be obedient. You let God handle the results. Here's a great thing to do. Write it down. You found yourself praying for some stranger named Roy? Put down, I prayed for Roy today. Put the date. Sooner or later, you have a book full of things where you were stepping out in faith. And when you feel discouraged, you go, oh my gosh, I did this, I did that, I did that. You reflect. And you know what that does? It increases your faith. If you do it weekly, monthly, it doesn't matter. Listen to Romans 12. So we being many are one body in Christ. There we are. And individually members of one another. There we are. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry, he who teaches in teaching. I love that. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Okay, so you got faith of a tiny little mustard. You got teeny little bit of faith and prophesy a little bit. God, I believe you can provide for me this week. You don't have to prophesy to the point where you walk into the house one day and go, Honey, thus saith the Lord, I will restore what the locusts have eaten. I will make rain in the desert. I will. You, know, you don't have to do all that. So one of the ways you can increase your faith is, Hello, read the Word. And read it by faith. Because you're not always going to understand everything. Read it by faith. Secondly, listen to people. Listen to them. Isabel says it this way all the time. If you could have seen what these eyes have seen. Hallelujah. It builds your faith. Listen to sermons. Be at church regularly. Come to small groups. It increases your faith. Pray with fasting. Do it weekly or monthly or whenever, daily. Stir it up. Stir up the gifts. What's happening is you're receiving this impartation of the Holy Spirit and God will add to your faith. And lastly, grow in your function. Whatever your function is, grow in it. <coughs> Eva's a perfect example of that. Eva, when, when Eva was really dealing with a lot of physical restraints uh, on her life, limitations, not restraints, but limitations in her life, she would still come down and clean the bathrooms. And if you know Eva, if you clean the bathrooms, 
she still cleaned the bathrooms. Right? Because she cares about this place. That's all she was doing for a while. Remember, Rhonda would do all the decorating downstairs and all that kind of stuff. That bugged her too. So eventually, I would see Eva decorating. So I said, Eva, do whatever you want down there. It's all yours. Now she does the foyer. It's always seasonal if there's a holiday going on. The place is always cleaned and vacuumed. She blessed me with, with that text. They're up here praying, Heba and Hugh, for people. Hugh wants to teach a Wednesday night Bible study. They're filling in for Lionel and Brenda in the next. I mean, hello, can we just keep going? Can we just keep going? Because they're growing in their faith, and they take their function, and they just serve in that function, and God is moving it and moving it and moving it and moving it. Amen? Ha, I embarrassed you, huh? Oh, good, okay. <laughs> Sometimes what will stop you is thinking you're unworthy. Real quick, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. I know I'm hungry. We'll wrap it up. But God says you're worthy. Like, and I have no business being a senior pastor. I have no business. You guys know me well enough. It's true. <laughs> but when I read that verse in John, it just said, hey, any word man who speaks my father's words with no falsehood in him, I can do that. I'm here simply because of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit working in and through me. All I did was help set up chairs at a, local, at a church plant. That's all I did. That was my function. And God took that one little step. And just like five, not even five years later, three years later, I was leading worship. I was running a youth group. I mean, before I knew it, I was, I was children's pastor. I mean, it's crazy. But all he really wanted to do was set up chairs. So be careful when you come down and help, okay? So last thing, last thing. Let, let, me, let me, I'll put on a little music. Last thing here, I, I, I promise. It's the last thing. It's really important though. It's really important to get involved in small groups. Wednesday nights when we meet here or the seniors groups on, on once every month on Thursday or summit once a month when we bring them back in September or 9 o'clock Sunday school for adults downstairs. It's so critical to be in the smaller groups. You feel safer. You can try out things. You can ask questions. You can pray for someone without worrying about so many people. But let me just tell you something. Trust the leadership also of your small groups. Trust your pastor in some of these things. I remember... Isabel was told a long time ago that uh, you only play the piano when it's your turn to play the piano. And it was about a year after I was here, I said, are you kidding me? Isabel, you've been walking with Jesus a heck of a lot longer than I do. If you want to go play that piano, we'll stop. We'll stop. You've got to trust the leadership sometimes. I've asked people to pray. They go, oh, I can't pray in front of I can't, I can't, no. And then they come up and pray, and it's like, oh my gosh, that was beautiful. Because they didn't step out. Susan's prayers are beautiful. And you get so embarrassed. But you got to do it. You got to stretch that muscle out. My daughter Rebecca, if I had time, I'd play a, 
I probably still have it on my phone somewhere. When she was about 10 years old, she sang the national anthem in front of about 8,000 people. And she, she knocked it out of the park. But I practiced and practiced and practiced with her. And I'll close with this, I promise. She would not hit the high note. She could sing it, but she wouldn't do it. Every time we came to, and the rockets, she go, okay, Dad, I can't do it. I go, sweetie, here's the note. We're just going to try. You're going to sing over the note. Becca, you can do it. I know. I've heard you sing this note. Okay. And the rockets, I can't do it, Dad. And I had to force her till she realized, oh, I can hit the note. I can. And to this day, she has relationships with different clubs and places. She does a gun club uh, trap shoot thing in Sacramento with hundreds of guys. She's done it for like seven years in a row because they love her national anthem. But she never would have done it. She didn't take that risk, sing a note that she didn't think she could hit. It took some practice, but she could do it. I want to encourage you today. You can do it. You are a vessel of honor. And God has placed his spirit in you. And not just for you, but for others. Let's stand to our feet. Look at I wanted to take time, but we don't have it. But we do. <laughs> what I mean by that is I wanted to take time for us to pray for one another. But guess what? We are going downstairs and having some fellowship. What better time to walk over to someone, say, God wanted me to pray for you, or is there anything I can do for you? What better time than while we're sharing a meal to step out in that faith? So I'm going to pray that God speaks to someone today through someone else today, that you'll take the risk and walk over, that you'll put your finger foot down and walk over. Father, thank you so much. It's amazing the trust you place in us. Trusting us with your Holy Spirit. Trusting us with the ministry of Jesus to continue as the apostles continued it. That you trust us, God, is amazing. So we just trust that you know what you're doing. And that when we step out and take a risk, you'll be there. Even when we get it wrong you'll be there. Father, I pray this be a church where people can fail and make mistakes and still persevere and still be blessed. I pray we're a church that loves people so much we're willing to take those kind of risks because we have compassion and your love for them. So all of us in our function, whatever it may be, give us the best gift the best gift, which is the gift needed at that time. Give us that best gift, God. We make ourselves available to you right now in the name of Jesus. And then as we go out of this building today and, and, and we live our lives at home and at work or, or wherever we're at throughout the week at school, that, God, you would prompt us with your Holy Spirit. We'd be bold in our faith to step out, take a risk, and love someone. We go out cheering you on, God, saying thank you so much. We praise you for what you're going to do. 
I thank you in advance for turning this ship around and watching us continue the ministry of Jesus with signs and wonders and the spiritual gifts on display to lift your name higher and higher. We ask you to do this in the name of Jesus and his people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.